0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. They're here. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy?
1: Yippee-kiyay, motherfucker! It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I'm one of your host Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks.
0: Hey, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. Now, Chris, we've already been through the Chris Phelps trilogy. We are now at the halfway point, kind of two out of three. <laughs> We're at the second. Of my trilogy, so obviously you you helped me indulge a bit with Snake in the Monkey's Shadow last week, and I think if my hazy memory remembers quite well, I think you quite enjoyed that. Um, and today, what are we going to review today? Well Dave,
1: we're reviewing the 1996 Quentin Tarantino written and directed by Robert Rodriguez Vampire
0: Killer murdering film. I don't know what it is. Dust till dawn. <laughs> it's fair to say it's a it's a bit of a genre mashup, isn't it? So yeah. what are your kind of memories of this one? Well,
1: when I left school, Dave ninety five uh, going into ninety six, went to college, worked a lot, and I remember going to my cousin's. And I first started my job around about ninety six ninety seven, and we'd worked together when I'd left school and that and always into his movies like me. He was always at the cinema. He's about four years older than me. And I just remember, I'd never even seen, I don't even know whether this come out in the cinema, but never even uh, took any notice of this movie. Didn't even know what it was. And he'd bought it on video. And he said to me, went, watch this film. And and God's his truth, I watched it, there was four of us round, all the lads we'd all had a drink and that and he, a couple of his friends had not seen it and he was like I've seen this at the cinema, I bought it it's uh, Quentin Tarantino, he'd obviously just done Pulp Fiction and that, he said and I'd watched, I think I'd watched Desperado as well as, you know, the one with mm-hmm. uh, Antonio yeah, yeah. Banderas great film about El Mariachi and stuff so a bit of content, watching it, we're all there having his drink and that I was only like 17 something like that and when the film flips on its head, I mean, my jaw hit the floor because I was like, we've had an hour, an hour and 20 minutes of just a normal sort of romp, haven't we? Two prisoners have escaped. They've kept someone hostage. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And, and by the end of it, it ended up becoming one of my favorite films of the 90s. I went straight out and bought the video. And I, I literally was playing it to everybody who I could, saying, You've got to watch this movie. And, and obviously, especially Salma Hayek from that moment on, Dave, even <laughs> to this day, I've always. And she's brilliant in Desperado as well, because she's, she's. I'm Tony Banderas is squeezing that. But oh, amazing, amazing. What about yourself, Dave?
0: Well. I can remember this one quite specifically, because a lot of the stuff we go through, it's kind of from our childhoods, isn't it? Whereas a bit older, so I'm going to go back to the summer of 1997, so it's out on video. I get a job for the first time at uh, Blockbuster Video. I had other jobs before that, but uh, this was a summer job. And so I get to learn all the ropes and stuff about where they put all the, place all the videos. Now, this was one of the smaller blockbuster bu- stores, you know, proper old video store and that. And I remember the person who was training me, Dawn, she was, you know, going through, recommending various movies. And she said, oh, this one's good from Dusk Till Dawn. I said, all right, what's it about? She said, well, I can't really tell you, but it's really good. And I was like, all right, okay, you haven't really sold me there, to be honest. (laughs) So, you know, I think at the time, I mean, I I think I started off working like two or three days a week. Again, it was just through the summer and kind of you'd pick up shifts as you go along. But you got something like five five rentals free a week or something like that and and i think by the time i left it was even more so at the time you're like why <laughs> <laughs> and so you know i'd i'd been working there for a little while now I tend to lock up the shop about 11 o'clock at night or something so, you know, you're locking up about 11 o'clock at night, you know, by the time you get back home it's like 20 past half past 11 or something like that, but you're still a bit wired, you're not ready to go to bed, so I remember, you know, girlfriend at the time was asleep and so I was just like, alright, I'll put this on then. Now, at that point when it twists, I am probably... Just starting to fall asleep, <laughs> and then it twists, and I'm like, "Holy fucking shitballs! What the hell is going on?" Because it's like you said, it's like the the way I describe it to people after that, because it was a proper like it occupied my mind space for for weeks and weeks, and and probably longer after that. And the way I describe it to people is like, if you're watching a regular horror movie. The scene is set at the start, and then you you just you just accept it, oh yeah, there's werewolves or there's vampires there's zombies, whatever it is, you just go with it because the the picture's been painted with this one, it paints a completely different picture, and so let's let's spoil it right yeah um so obviously if if you haven't watched this, definitely go and watch this before you listen to this review. But when they start turning into vampires, it feels real. It feels like it's occupying the real world, and I just thought it was a masterful move. And I, I'd, there may be other movies that I just hadn't seen. I, I don't. I can't think of another one like this. But yeah, it absolutely, Chris, blew my mind. And I love the music. I mean, I, I love Tarantino's stuff from the... I got a. Um, Dodgy copy from the from the market in Liverpool uh, for reservoir dogs when it was banned, and then obviously Pulp Fiction came out. It was huge at the time. That was the first uh, first year I was away as well. So every bastard had a Pulp Fiction poster on their wall. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was just massive, and I just loved that style. Um, certainly for the first half of the movie but like I say blowing my mind for the second so even I'm sure I've probably mentioned it on this podcast or one of the many podcasts that we do but even now my alarm clock in the morning is after dark yeah, which is the, uh, the Salma Hayek snake dance music I, I just think it's fantastic yeah I can't argue with that Dave yeah, the music's pretty good as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be somewhat politically
1: correct, but yeah, so, <laughs> so should we get into our trailer?
0: Yeah, let's go. Everybody be cool. You be cool.
1: Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Low profile. You understand the meaning of the words low profile? Sure. Of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages what is this it's called a punch I am going to ask you one question and all I want is a yes or no answer do you want to live through this yes. okay ramblers let's get rambling one night is all that stands between them and freedom this is my kind
0: of place but
1: it's going to be one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. We have a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. Now,
0: their only chance is to fight back.
1: quentin tarantino juliet lewis
0: welcome to
1: slavery no thanks i already had a wife
0: from dusk till dawn so we open up at the gas station and we're getting some dialogue between the guy who works there and just the local sheriff Um, he's obviously not too politically correct, makes a few jibes there about some mongoloid feeding him some dodgy stuff. (laughs) And then we actually find out the Gecko Brothers are hauled up there. Uh, This guy is given the performance of his life in trying to act cool, but then Richie actually blows the, the cop, the sheriff's brains out, and all hell breaks loose. Now, what do you make to the opening of this one, Chris?
1: Well, it's funny, Dave, because I have not seen this for, must be, I reckon, about 15 years. I think it's like what we were saying, it's one of these films where I've seen it that many times. I never thought I had to go back and watch, it, if that makes sense. As much as I've always enjoyed it, I've never felt the urge to buy it on Blu ray or or even seek it out anywhere. And obviously, because of what we do and, and different movies that we're going to review over our podcast, it's great to go back to certain movies. And I remember it beat for beat. I, I mean, I think. The the actual cinematography of this is great, and I think what you can see with something like this is you can see even like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out last year, that there's still a Tarantino influence. I know obviously he wrote this and, and Robert Rodriguez directed it, but this sort of Mexican backdrop, very similar to Desperado, there's loads of mentions within all the films Tarantino does to different parts, all little Easter eggs in this, and I think it sets it up well. I think. I think the one thing I've always had a problem with in this movie is Tarantino is it he, seemed better watching it this time but I always remember when I was like you know obviously sort of late teens early 20s it used to just piss me off in this because I think George Clooney's so good in this and Tarantino I know he's playing this sort of Obviously, it's a bloody sex mate uh, sex bloody thing, you know, you know what I mean? Sex offender and stuff. It's not right with him, completely unhinged. But uh, it always sits weird with me at the start. And and but the dialogue between the copper and the guy behind the bar, or behind the the till, it was very weird at first. And then when he just goes for him. It's Tarantino 101, this sort of thing, Dave. It's just dialect and, and dialogue. That just doesn't mean anything. It's just a, like a nonsensical thing. But that's Tarantino's sort of style. And I think I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's good. But like I say, Tarant, uh, Tarantino
0: himself as an actor, I just don't think he's very good. It's funny you say that, because he does get slated for his acting. And he got a Razzie Award, I think, for this, <laughs> for Worst Supporting <laughs> Actor. I don't see it. I, and I don't know if in my mind I'm just forgiving him because it's Tarantino. I mean, he, he plays the same character, but again, I kind of... The first time I saw him was when he... I didn't know he was the director, but in Reservoir Dogs, when he's going on about like being Mr. Brown, it's like, I don't want to be Mr. Brown. It's Mr. fucking shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just... I I just kind of thought that was quite a funny line, and I I just liked him. So, for me, he's Quentin Tarantino playing Quentin Tarantino. He's just, on the screen, he has this different name. So, I I don't know. I don't see him as a really poor actor. You know, and we've seen some pretty poor acting, haven't we? (laughs) Oh, yes, David, yeah. (laughs) So, he's better than a lot of the stuff that we've seen. I do think though, I mean this was Clooney's big kind of uh breakthrough, wasn't it? You know, he was massive on ER at the time, but that was still in the T V space and this was his big starring role in the movies. But yeah, I just love that line where he's like, Everybody be cool, you be cool. Exactly, Fucking David. Awesome.
1: It is awesome because that is a a line that's synonymous with even stuff like, you know, the Rocky one-liners, the Godfather, it'll always be in... It must be in the top 100 lines in a movie, Dave, because it's just so good. And I remember thinking, even watching it the other day, I was like, oh, he's... And he looks fucking good. He does look good. I mean, Sam... Always oh, had a massive thing for George Clooney anyway, Dave. So, what I remember we weren't together when this had come out, it was a couple of years later. But I remember watching it when she, and she loved him, loved him in ER because he still carried on in ER after yeah, this. Yeah. He did carry on in this, but again, Dave, he carried on in ER. And maybe this wasn't the best role for him because he ended up in fucking Batman and Robin, did he? Not far after this, <laughs> but um, <laughs> we've reviewed think, that already, but yeah, yeah.
0: I think, um i think the old tattoos the old tribal tattoos i remember thinking fucking oh that is the coolest thing i've ever seen and when i grow up <laughs> yeah. oh, i want to have those tribal tattoos but every other fucker uh probably had similar thoughts and so it's it's a bit bit dated now i think some of the, some of those isn't it chris well thanks dave yeah because considering i've got a full sleeve of a tribal <laughs>
1: I was thinking I'm you teasing, better, you know yeah. all it yeah. <laughs> No, but I'm the same. I, I genuinely always wanted that them the tattoos on his neck and that. I always think he looked proper cool and when he takes his jacket off and that it, I used to think, oh I've got, and I didn't get them because of Clooney at all. I, I, it was actually a cover up on a poor tattoo. I'd end up with a tribal tattoo, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it was very cliche around the 2000s, early 2000s. But yeah, I think it starts really well. I love the music, the music's great as they drive off from the Seven Eleven Eleven and it killed everyone. And they've got like we see this little sh- shot of like um inside the,
0: the, the hood of the car, and there's a woman there, and then they end up at this motel, yeah, don't they? I, I guess. I, and I don't like that. It's Something grates on me, the way that... It's some kind of homage, I'm sure, uh, but I, I just don't like that. It jarred with me back then, and it, it jars with me now, but when they're walking away from that gas station, and it's all blowing up and everything, and they're just bickering away, you know... It, I just thought it was fantastic and and again you can kind of see this dynamic building up between the Gecko brothers so you know th- the only reason they kill the sheriff and then they've ended up killing the guy behind the till I assume the young girls got away maybe um, but <laughs> he's like yeah I saw him he said help us and he, when he yeah. got shot and he's behind the counter he's like I never said help us but you're not sure are you you're like Did he? Because the camera was on the sheriff a lot of the time, so he might have done. But, um, you know, there's something suspicious about it. You've definitely got this big brother, little brother thing. And there's something not quite right about Richie, who takes a bullet to the hand as as part of that whole interaction.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny, isn't it? Because watching it now, at the time, I thought this was like this massive production movie, absolutely. But you watch it now, Dave, and there's some proper shonky effects in this, isn't there, and stuff. I know it's ninety-six, we're going back bloody twenty-three years, but or twenty-four years, sorry. It's it's very some of the stuff's prop. when it mean the thing with his hand, the hole in his hand and that I'd never noticed it before. When I watched, I was like, oh fucking hell, that's pretty shit that now. You know what when, when we were younger, I used to think, oh, it's great this. It's really good. Enough I I mean, enjoy the movie. I enjoyed it a lot. And I do, as I mentioned about Tarantino, he always pissed me off as a kid, but he didn't necessarily piss me off as much now because I think his portrayal of a, a sex offender was pretty much bang on, Dave. This sort of warped sense of, like, well, you know, she was trying to escape or whatever, and he, he obviously kills that woman, doesn't he, and, mm. and rapes and everything. And Seth comes in and he's like, the fuck have you done? What have you done? And we get little flashes, don't we?
0: And it, it's... Masterful, as far as I'm concerned. The way that sort of flashes... Yeah, And you get all the blood and everything. And the way Clooney is acting his ass off there. I, yeah. I just think... I think when I was watching it as a younger chap, I think I, I probably liked the second half of this movie more. But watching it now... And this is one of those that, that I don't think I really had to re-watch. I did anyway. But I, I pretty much remembered it beat for beat. But... Actually thinking about it, I was I was thinking, I, I think I like the first half of this more. Just because, again, like like we said with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I know we didn't review that, but I'm sure we talked about it at some point. And you just get these, these scenes where there's not a lot going on, but the whole thing has just got room to breathe. And it's something that... The first half of this movie does feel very Tarantino. Now... I believe it, it's not the case where he... The, there was a rumour that, you know, basically Tarantino did the first half and Robert Rodriguez did the second half. It was actually a guy... It was a makeup guy called uh, Robert Kurtzman who came up with the original concept and he got Quentin Tarantino to write the script as part of a favour for doing the cutting-off-the-ear scene in uh, ah, Reservoir right. Dogs. Right. And so right. it all kind of meshes together. But I can definitely see i don't think tarantino had the um the bandwidth or or for whatever reason he didn't want to take on the directing himself and so that's when you know rodriguez came into it but i definitely think tarantino must have been in his ear you know because the first half definitely feels a bit more tarantino And, and again things like this this opening that that scene poor bloody woman who's uh, come a cropper and you fight you do see you get confirmation richie uh, yeah richie he's fucked up you know he's he's yeah. killed this woman for absolutely no reason and he's sort of casually eating his burger in the in the other room you know i i just think it's it, it's really really good
1: yeah, I do. I do. I think I, he's got his. He, if he's not been there, Dave, at some point doing this, obviously he's acting in it, but his DNA is all over this first part. Like I say, especially watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even stuff like Kill Bill, you, you can see his style, Pulp Fiction, it's all there. Yeah. There's all things there. Either that or he stole stuff from Robert Rodriguez, you know, so I'm, I'm not too sure, but you can see his directing his style is there. I think. What's interesting is like obviously watching it. These you know he ends up. They see Harvey Keitel. Uh, Seth's there. George Clooney's character cuts them up as they're about to park up and just stares at him, which is a bit weird. <laughs> and just stares at yeah. with his. And the next minute they came to their hotel, uh, motel room. And then when Richie sees Juliette Lewis, he's like, it's "Oh my god!" Creepy as fuck. Yeah, exactly. It. And he's like, "You've just won the competition for the." Uh, the best, uh, what does he say, best bikini or something. But it, it, when he says to Harvey Kai, tell him the son, and, and, and I know it's it's a Tarantino, Rodriguez special, this sort of thing, but the fact that you've got the preacher, his daughter, and then they've got an Asian son, and they even call it out, don't they? Is this yeah. some sort of, are you, are you, are you, are you, well, he says the F word, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says, I won't say but he says uh, the F uh, word, and then says to him, um, is this, and he's like, this is my son, he's like, yeah, but he's,
0: you know, he's Asian, it's like... He was He's, saying uh, you don't you don't look Japanese and he goes yeah. neither does he. He's Chinese. <laughs> yeah. But what they really, calling it's out. It's a good yeah. time to come come out with that one when you've got a fucking couple of guns staring at you.
1: Well it's funny because I remember at the time thinking how old Harvey Kaitel looks, but he doesn't actually look that old. He's just grew a beard, hasn't he? You know, it's yeah. fucking it's strange. Plus it's we're really a lot older. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But but no, that whole dynamic of the kidnapping and getting over the Mexican border and all that stuff. And I remember it well when Juliet Lewis is sat on the toilet, you know, and they're all there, like looking for him and stuff. And then one bit I used to love is when Rich is in his ear, and his ear, and then he just fucking elbows in one, doesn't he, and knocks him oh, clean out. Brilliant. I love that. I love that. Because George <laughs> Clooney does the old neck thing, doesn't he, as if to say, oh, you know, fucking dingy. But it, it I think, like you said, it, it gives it time to breathe. But what it does is, it doesn't tell a massive story until you get to the (laughs) T-Twister. And what's funny is I think we're about 55 minutes in before we get there and there's not a lot gone on before, but it's set the tone of the characters. I'm invested in all the characters uh, of the movie. There's not one person I'm not interested in their story. Even though I know what's coming, I still
0: find it really... uh, I'm really sort of enthralled watching it, really enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I, I still get anxious when they're getting over the border there. Of course, we get the window into Richie's head, you know, so so when they initially meet the family and uh, Juliet Lewis gives the line, she says, Richie, would you do me a favor and eat my pussy for me, please? <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? And then in the, when they're getting up to the border, he's like, you know that thing you were asking me about? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but when they actually get in there... And, of course, you get Cheech, don't you? He, he plays, like, three different roles in this. He's playing, like, the border guard, and he goes in there. <clears throat> and, again, when he opens up the door, you know, he doesn't he doesn't close it. Like, if you walked in like that, you'd sort of flinch. When you, oh, sorry, I <laughs> didn't mean to walk in yet. He sort of hangs around as a bit of a gawp. But, um, yeah, I like it because when they get over the other side, you feel a bit elated. And, you know, even Seth, who's been a bit of a badass and he's like, you know, we've got a real nice, I don't fuck with you, you don't fuck with me vibe going on, so, you know, we're going to just, this is what's going to happen, and we we all get what we want. And it feels great, doesn't it? But I think there are some great lines in this, but I think there are some pretty terrible lines as well. I mean, one that grates on me is when they initially, you know, meet up with um the preacher and whatever, and... Richie pulls the gun on him and Seth just comes in and smacks him. Oh, oh no, Harvey Keitel goes like, what's this? And he goes, it's called a punch. (laughs) And you're like, oh, that's crap, that, isn't it? But there are some other great lines. And I have to say, you know, and this is probably the juvenile teenage sort of Dave talking a bit, but Chech's speech... Outside the um, or Cheech's speech outside you gonna the say Titty that. Twister, I fucking still love it. <laughs> I know it's fucking wrong in it. I mean, I have not <laughs> it's heard very, that long, so very wrong. <laughs> we got we got. I
1: mean, I've listened to it again, and I always remember like it always ends with we got smelly, but you don't like it, fuck it. But uh, it's that bit when he going we got horse pussy, we got dog pussy, and I'm like I don't remember Chipping that line. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Smelly pussy. We got. It's no, sort of like... it's, a,
0: it's actually two speeches. So the the um the the second one, and and I've got a confession to make here, Chris. So again, I was obsessed with this whole movie and also the uh, the different lines in there and stuff. And obviously, this speech, I remember getting absolutely fucking hammered. And then this is the days before mobile phones as well, <laughs> and I remember ringing up one of uh, I was going back with with uh, one of my mates walking back to the to the flat, and then we rung up one of our other mates, and I fucking delivered at the top of my lungs about two o'clock in the morning Cheche's speech down the phone. <laughs> <laughs> What an absolute fucking cockhead. <laughs> Not just for him at the other end of the phone, but this was a public telephone. So it was right in the middle of the fucking road, pretty much. Everyone within about a mile radius probably fucking heard me. <laughs> it's like, what a dick. <laughs> but in the first one, he's going like on about chicken pussy, and he's like snapping pussy. <laughs> Just all these different types. But it's the second one where he's going on about, try and beat pussy for a penny. If you can find cheaper pussy anywhere, fuck it. (laughs) 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 I wonder how many takes it took him to deliver all that because it is just masterful. I, I can't imagine anyone delivering that any better. It's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. And they style him up quite well, actually, because
1: obviously he's the only one. He's in this two different characters, isn't he? He's the guy after the whole
0: well, bar like thing. I say, he's three, isn't he? So he was the well, yeah, uh, the border guard as well. So he's the border guard. Oh, I didn't he's... see that. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God,
1: he's, yeah, he's, Sorry, he's yeah.
0: playing the three there. I hope he got paid three times. But <laughs> Now, actually, you know what? I did notice this time. Now, I have seen, again, there's a few films that I've seen loads of times in my uh, adult life. You know, just watch them over and over. From *Dust Till Dawn's one, I can think probably Dumb and Dumber is another one that comes to mind. There's probably others as well. I'd never really notice, but there's several times when they try and stop them going in. And so, you'll notice when... when they try and get in the titty twister initially, Cheech stops them, you know, and he's like, you can't go in here, but then he beats the shit out of him. (laughs) And you sort of think he is actually trying to stop him because it's just supposed to be truckers and bikers only. You know, those are the easy pickings. Those are the ones without families and stuff, and they can just go and disappear and no one gives a shit. And I'd never noticed it before how he tried to stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's
1: obviously when he chins him, it leads him in. And then even at the bar, though, Dave, he's the same.
0: That's what I mean. So yeah, yeah. the second time they're like, look, you shouldn't be here. Go away. you know, And they're actually trying to stop them. So multiple times there, they could have got away with it. And so, uh, yeah. I mean, look,
1: Dave, I know you said the start of the movie was probably your favourite this time. The best bit of the movie is the fucking middle bit for me, and it always, <laughs> always will be. Even, you know, 25 years later from when I first watched this movie, Salma Hayek, Dave, is absolutely amazing in this. Amazing. And I know she'd been in Desperado, I think, which came out before this, but it might come out after actually. But this is, oh my word, <laughs>
0: sensational, Dave. Sensational. Did you- I must admit, so even, I mean, let's face it, you know, I was a late teen, early 20s, what, whatever. Uh, actually, I think we've been early twenty. I think it might have been actually 20 when this came out. Yeah, would have been 20. Um, so when it, even when they just walk into the titty twister and you've got all the strippers all over the club and stuff, I'm just like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, when she comes out, she looks absolutely stunning. And again, I remember. I think I said the same thing when I saw Roadhouse. I remember thinking that woman there is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I had the same exact same thought when Salma Hayek came out there. Just I'd never seen anyone as beautiful as her. Yeah. Now, did you know, Chris? She actually has a fear of snakes. Well, it's funny that Dave, because
1: one of the bits where the snake's rounded neck. I was thinking, that looks like it's trying to fucking choke her. You know, I've never noticed it before, but she looks uncomfortable doing that yeah. dance,
0: big time. So she had to basically have therapy. So she, she'd she always refused to, like, be anywhere near snakes or anything. And Robert Rodriguez basically told her that Madonna was in for the part. <laughs> it's like, all it's like, oh, right, okay, I've got to do it, got to do it. So he basically conned her into doing it, but you can sort of tell that, you know, at certain moments, not not all of it, but when she's got the snake, she is pretty damn uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, because there is a bit where it looks like it's going around the neck and obviously yeah, that's not much yeah. for anybody and she's only small, but I, I actually come away watching this, Dave, and I'm going to come out with this statement. And I know we mentioned Roadhouse and, and there's loads of leading ladies who are absolutely stunning. I've got to go on record, Dave. I think for me, she could quite possibly be the prettiest uh, leading lady in any movie. The only one that ever came close to me was uh, Megan Fox in Transformers 2. It's outstanding in that. <laughs> but other than that, I just can't see anybody, you know. I mean, you know, I like a brunette, Dave, but I think Salma Haken is He's absolutely
0: stunning. Proper yeah. top of the tree for me, without a doubt. It's hard to argue with that, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we get the guys are sat down and again actually before it all goes to shit I like this moment this acting from Clooney because you know when when they were being refused at the bar and you've got this big sort of bouncer grabbing him it looks like it's all going to kick off uh, before Harvey Keitel sort of steps in but he's clearly agitated and again when he's drinking this whiskey and he's just I I, I just think it's a great little scene and i like the fact that you know Harvey Kaitel he's he's the preacher and what have you but he's got some stones on him as well you know you've got these ruthless killers and he's saying to him are you so much of a fucking loser that you don't know you've won <laughs> and he's like what do you just call me <laughs> <laughs> so I, I again i think it was really good uh, that little scene there but of course it all starts to turn, doesn't it? Because Cheech wakes up, you know, uh, after being knocked out, presumably outside, and then they they basically say, "Yeah, uh, you know, these guys beat me up. This fucker broke my nose and what have you." And then uh, one of them plants the uh, the knife right in Richie's already injured hand. Yeah. And then they they shoot all these bouncers who kind of came up, but then all Salma Hayek. Uh what's her name? Uh Santanico Pandemonium. Yeah. <laughs> uh she suddenly turns, doesn't she? Turns into a fucking vampire and starts biting the crap out of Richie. Yeah, and and I think at that point
1: that's what I said to you, my jaw was on the floor. And I was like, What the holy fuck is this? And I remember turning round to my cousin. And there was four of us watching, all three of us turned to him and went, what the hell is this? Because I'd never seen a movie at this point where you got such a U-turn, Dave. There's been plenty since it. And I'm sure there's probably ones before it that we've never seen. But to to have such a... Two completely contrasting movies to this was (laughs) unbelievable at the time. And I, I just thought it was... One of the best things I'd ever seen around about 97, 98. I honestly did. I just I couldn't get enough of this movie. But even watching it now, it's funny because you've got like the sex machine guy. i have had that just before. He's got fucking <laughs> yeah. a cock and balls gun. Any that guy it's from pulls Desperado, in isn't it? Yeah, he's from Desperado. And then you've got um, the, the old Vietnam veteran, the big guy, aren't you? And he's there. He's telling stories and that. And uh, he's obviously someone not to mess with. And and I, I think it's it's. <laughs> He's called Frost, actually. Fred Williamson, he's in yeah, quite a few yeah, films. Yeah. Um, but, but I think when I watch it now, it still looks really good, but there's loads of times where people can get killed. It's a bit like a karate movie because Clooney in that <laughs> yeah. has got his back to loads of the vampires and not one yeah. of them attacks him at all. I mean, it doesn't matter, but it's fucking ridiculous.
0: I really enjoy it. And obviously it's a, a genre mashup. Like say, first half, it's like, Tarantino movie um second half it's just like a, a a horror movie of some some sort you know it's not it's not really gritty it's not really real you know a lot of the creature design it, it's it's so out there isn't it it's, it's not like watching i don't know the ring or something like that it's something that looks genuinely creepy you know i i just think i I can't think of another film that has done this kind of thing I'm sure no. there must be. I just I just don't know one that is, that just literally does a 180 at the halfway point and then just becomes a diff- completely different genre of film.
1: Exactly. No, no, I, I totally agree, Dave. I think you're so right because... It takes you down a path one way, and then it's like the old game, computer game, Outrun, where you you played. You know, did you ever play that, Dave? Where you oh yeah, you'd, yeah. Ra- you'd race so far, and then you get to the point where you were getting to the end of the checkpoint. You could go left, the easy way, or right, the shitty way. And it sort of takes us left for the whole movie, and then goes, "I'm going to minute, fuck it, let's go right." And it just it, it's. I agree. I think I've never seen something because it, it feels really like you've wasted an hour watching this thing or all you're doing is building characters and then it just turns into a fucking vampire slasher movie like an absolute like a computer game really it just because it reminds me of a game came out a couple of years later Dave something around about the mid 2000s 2003-2004 maybe called Left 4 Dead and uh, that was uh, not yeah it's not like completely. It wasn't like they were setting a bar, but basically, it's basically four people in a team, and you can squad up and that, and you're just against the relentless thing of like zombies and vampires and stuff like this. And and that's where I think stuff like that took influence from this movie. Mm-hmm. However, I've got to say, watching it now, it, it's brilliant, and some of the fighting's really good because it just takes it completely. There's nothing's been taken seriously. But the one thing that always like bugged me watching it, even when I was younger, was so they've killed loads of vampires and that, and then George Clooney goes to get... Seth goes to get his brother, Richie, and takes all these bodies off him and body parts, and he's there. And obviously, he ends up turning then, doesn't he, and becomes this big monster. this, this continuity. There's something wrong with the continuity in this, but I don't know whether, knowing Tarantino, he's done it on purpose because they make it into a B-movie because he did this in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. These things he's left in on purpose, that continuity-wise, make mm-hmm. no sense. It's when... They're all grabbing him, and and like that guy goes to kill him, sex machine, and he's like, get your fucking hands off him, he's my brother. And he's got this massive head, a bit like the Emperor out of uh, Star Wars, where he's got this super massive bulbous head. But then it it flicks back to him, and he's just got normal hair, but with his normal head with a little teeth. I don't know if you've
0: ever picked up on I don't know if that's kind of... Is that bad continuity? I've always thought it has been. But is it just how Seth sees him? It could be. It could be. I I'm, I think I'm being a bit of a movie apologist there. I think it just looks shit.
1: It lo- <laughs> no, it looks shit. But in the same respect, having known... at hindsight. It's a wonderful thing. Having watched Tarantino's movie since... There's always something that just continuity-wide never makes sense. And I know he yeah. likes to leave stuff in there, so I'm wondering whether he said leave that in on purpose because it'll infuriate the audience. I just... Knowing how his mind works or how we think his mind works, that just, for me, in my head, to sort of compute it, that's the sort of little thing he leaves in on purpose. So someone would leave it in a review.
0: It could be. Like, certainly, you know, having Cheech appear in different roles, you know, that, that was an old... B movie sort of staple, wasn't it? You know, all these kind of, all these grindhouse movies. Yeah, and so, it it could be, I don't know. It it just it does look poor, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it, when he wakes up, because because they think they've won, don't they? And uh, it's like, uh, I love you too, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know we've spent time with all these characters. But it's interesting how you just have these random patrons who who become kind of heroes as well. Like you say, old Frost and Sex Machine, you know, it's all a bit comedic, how they fight. I guess what, and I still love this movie, I will still watch this lots and lots of times. I guess what I was thinking now, sort of critically, it's a bit weird. Not because it goes from a Tarantino movie to a horror movie, it's the type of horror movie if you think about it, in the first half, there is some real disturbing shit in there, isn't there? And there yeah. aren't many laughs. I mean, the the um, <laughs> one of the things is obviously when uh, Seth knocks out Richie in in the shower to keep him quiet. Um, one of the bits that I really like <laughs> is where where they get to the motel initially, and there's no one answering, and you get that old bloke coming out and say, "What? What?" what the hell you want? Yeah, and he yeah, goes, yeah. what do you think I want, you mean old bastard? I don't want a fucking room. Yeah, 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 I love that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, just, I think it's funny, but it's not like laugh out loud funny. But again, with some of the creature designs, some of the um, old sex machine, I can't remember, what's his name, Tom Sivani or something, he's a, he's a special effects guy. He was at one of the comic cons I was at a few years ago. Um, you know his facial expressions, particularly when he's turning, you know it's just it's comedy it's 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 like a comedy horror, isn't it? yeah, and I just wonder if they'd have kept that same tone you know to have it being a bit more threatening, a bit less like a kind of comedy um element, but also like you say like a kung fu movie where you just think well practically in this big wide open space because it is just one big room really isn't it and then you've got a stock room at the back where, where they end up hauling up in but if i'm to be critical i think they could have kept that same tone you know kept it really dark really disturbing um rather than playing up the comedy i think
1: yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I think you were saying about something that makes you laugh. I tell you one thing that I've forgotten Even now it's stupid. But is when they turn to vampires and we've got fucking Tito and the tarantulas playing and then his guitars are
0: human yeah. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. They keep going back to it though, don't they? I mean it's like you know, and when they when they go out they they just combust. They're just like, Thank you, good night and then they all just explode and it's like well what are the actual rules of this this vampire species it's not clear yeah. you know
1: no no it's not and obviously we get scott gets bitten don't we um the sun and then you've got... Uh, Jacob's been bitten on the arm as well.
0: Uh, well, J- Jacob gets bitten first, doesn't he? I think. Sorry, uh, yes, and then
1: he goes for Scott, doesn't he, later on, yeah.
0: Yeah, So, and, and he, he makes the kids promise. Now, now when they get hauled up in the stock room there, and then you're sort of seeing all of the stock, you know, that they've nicked from all the trucks, they start to piece it all together then, don't they? It's like, oh, they've, they've got all this stuff, they get it off the trucks... And that's how they feed on people, but keep keep having you know a flowing stock coming through. I think I'd have been tempted to wait it out because again, this is me being critical and and not intentionally. We didn't set off this podcast to try and become critical bastards. <laughs> but no. Just having watched so many movies and trying to have an opinion about them, you end up thinking about them a bit more. I'm sort of thinking. Harvey Keitel's rationale for going out there, it's like, right now, I'm human and I'm on your side. They've got all that wave of bats coming through, so I can be on your side and fighting that fucking thousand bats out there, so, you know, let's do it. So they've injected a bit of urgency. They need to get out of that nice, safe, comfy room (laughs) and, and go and tackle this thousand vampire horde thing. And I'm like... Just fucking kill him, <laughs> just or even wait and strap him down, and then as he turns, stick a stake through him. That's it. One fucking vampire. You've got to fight. Yeah. No, no, no. We'll get these all these different weapons together, and we. It's almost like a bit of an 18 montage, isn't it? So you yeah. know they're putting it together. I was waiting for the 18 music to kick in, and you know they get uh, open up all these random boxes, and you get these like kids' toys and stuff like that. But um, again, you get this very kind of silly set of weapons, don't you? I mean, the, the thing that Seth has... Looks like it should be out of a different movie, to be honest.
1: Well, to be honest, Dave. Yeah, and I, I, and I will be honest. That's one thing I was going to bring up. Glad you brought it up. That wouldn't kill fucking anybody. It gives someone a lot of pleasure, as you've just said. But like, it wouldn't fucking kill anybody, Dave. And by the time he's put that, rubbish. yeah, the time he's put that into one vampire, the other fuckers are jumping on his neck. So it well, just it looks heavy
0: as hell, doesn't it? And it's yeah. like just absolutely useless. So. um yeah, but the, I, I like the fact that, again, that, you know, I'm, I'm going with it, you know, and it is this bit of a silly sort of comedy horror sort of thing. And so I, I, I kind of like it. It's almost like um sort of Evil Dead, isn't it? You know, and that that sort of genre it gets gets all a little bit silly and a bit extreme. But um I tell you what I say about it all getting a bit silly and a bit extreme. So when the preacher does actually turn... And then he bites Scott. Scott has to actually kill him then. You know, so... He, he does actually... Uh, he, he gets him with a holy water condom at first. <laughs> melts off his face, half his head. And then, and then uh, shoots him and explodes him. But fuck me. When he's taken down there. And basically you've got about four different vampires gnawing away at different parts of his body. Fuck me, that was disturbing. Yeah, it was disturbing. She's only a kid as well, isn't he, Dave? So that's yeah. like, that's what was quite
1: Tarantino Rodriguez like. There's one thing I would say though, fucking Harvey Keitel, you know, Jacob's got a shotgun and a piece of wood like it's a cross, and the vampires are too scared to go at him. <laughs> the pretense of that and the pretense of the holy water when he just does a few fucking hail marys or an Our Father, <laughs> and the water's holy. Come on, but it can kill people. If you've thrown it at the vampires before, they just get a wash, but because he's he's thinking it, that that I love the fact that they've gone with that ridiculous um, <laughs> 1930s vampire thing, aren't they? You know, like fucking Count Dracula, they've gone with that for this movie. I, I, I think that's just really funny because it's an absolute piss take, because logically you're like there's not fucking any of this would even make sense, even if you're in that situation. Let's get some water and do a prayer. Come on.
0: Well, and his faith has been tested, hasn't it? So, you know, Seth has to give him a bit of a pep talk and says, are you someone who's lost your faith or are you a mean motherfucking servant of God? <laughs> and so, again, he's like, all right, I've got my faith back. I, I can't remember, what was I reading recently? I, I think it might have been I Am Legend where he's trying to figure out the rules. You know, so you've got a similar... This, this was a book that was written in the 50s and basically it was a massive influence for like zombies and also a different take on vampires. So I think um, lots of people have cited it, but he's sort of saying in the book, he's like, Well, if you're a Muslim who got turned into I, I can't even remember if you them vampires, well, why would you be bothered by a cross? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And it is it is a bit silly, but it's still it's still better than the fucking jackrabbit.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that's fucking right. And obviously, it gets to a point where they're overpowered and the light starts coming in because of the morning, don't they? And we get the. But we, you know, considering we've just reviewed Blade 2 on Comics in Motion, Dave, it's quite similar um, pretense to have two vampire movies quite close together across on our other podcast. Um, it's almost as if we planned it. Almost, we didn't, but <laughs> it's almost. <laughs> and you pick these days just by chance. But, but again. Obviously, next minute, they get, they're get they about to get killed and the vampires can get close to them. And then all of a sudden, the walls start coming and, and Clooney, Seth says, shoot the walls. And, and then we get, the, for the third time, you are right, Dave, Cheech Marin comes in as and his henchmen and sort of Clooney and Juliette Lewis leg it out because they're the only survivors. And I love the fact that he just chins him. He just he goes, <laughs> what the fucking place have you, b- you brought me to here? <laughs>
0: of all the places in mexico but i I fucking love it i love this line and again some of the lines are just so good it's like so what are they psychos (laughs) did they look like psychos is that what they look like they were vampires psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them i don't give a fuck how crazy they are (laughs) just like it's so good
1: I think, I think one of the things watching it now, and it is good, you're right, one of the things now watching it is, why did nobody, and I mean nobody running these businesses think, why the fuck's my truck not here? Where's my truck gone? Where's my employees gone? This whole pretense of the whole movie about, you know, they nick stuff off bikers and truckers and that. It's like, but it's a graveyard of trucks. We can see that. But yet nobody's questioning where any of the stock's gone and they've supposedly got away with this, so... Surely, and I'm thinking fourth dimension now, Dave. I know it's stupid, but surely he sends them to this place, Cheech Marin, his, his new character. But surely it's probably like, you don't go to that place. You never get out of there. But no, he sends them to the Titty Twister. It's just yeah. that <laughs> oh, whole... Carlos. Yeah, there's a big plot hole there that you've just got to overlook, I think, really, more than anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's a mind fuck, isn't it? Or, or it was for me when it first panned away. And you know what? I probably... <sighs> I think the first few times I didn't even clock on what I was seeing at the end. You know, the whole yeah. kind of Aztec temple kind of thing with all of the different trucks sort of uh, just shoved down the the... The cliff and what have you. I, I'm pretty sure by the time it gets to the end of the movie, like right, okay, I'll make a cup of tea or have a beer or whatever you're gonna do. So um, yeah, I remember though the first time I, I noticed it, and it's like whoa. <laughs> and again, I I think you're right in a um, in a well tracked system where you know where all your trucks are gone. I think there might be a little bit of an implication that not all of these trucks and their cargo are all kosher. Yeah. So you might have a lot of things going back and forth, and even if they do disappear, well, that might just be part of the business. (laughs) Dave, don't even try and sell me on that. But anyway, yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's not the most watertight, but... uh, No. No, There's like you say, there's a few things, especially in the second half when they just throw out the rule book... It all just gets a little bit silly and like, you know, I I know you said about it's comedy where he's playing the guitar with the torso, but I'm looking at the strings like there's no way that's making a sound. No, no. And how's he strung it up so quickly? But anyway, I
1: know, I I just think the same. We're getting old, Dave. I think years ago, we never would have even questioned it. We obviously never did.
0: Yeah, again, I've just got... Before we get into our final review again, just one of the lines I I, I like is apparently an improvised one by Clooney. So when uh, old Santanico Pandemonium has got him underneath her high heels, she says, uh, you know... I, I." I'll not make you one of us. I'll kind of let you lick the dog shit from my boots, and uh, then she turns, doesn't she? She go because I'm I'm thinking, all right, it doesn't seem like a bad deal to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not licking the dog shit, but you know, to be to be a little slave of Santanico Pandemonium, yeah, it's looking all right. But then obviously she changes into this like Nosferatu looking character, and she says, "Welcome to slavery," and George Clooney just goes, "No thanks, I already had a wife." Yeah. <laughs> yeah i was laughing at that i was laughing at that that is good but anyway should we go into our final review let's go have time for another podcast
1: and enjoy listening to two idiots discussing films then look no further we are Movie Drone Podcast, two mates sitting down to discuss new releases, nostalgic films and anything and everything in between. He's Steve. And he's Mark. Together we answer listener questions and set each other homework, giving each other a film to watch that the other hasn't seen, in the hope of unearthing hidden gems. You can download us on iTunes, Podbean as well as Google search us to find us on loads of different platforms. Or email Podcasts at hotmail.com. I think that's all. No chance mate. Huh? You've forgotten everyone's favourite feature. Mark's Movie Impressions. Oh, I'd hope you've forgotten it too, to be honest. No chance at that, mate. Hey, you think you should do one? I hey, hate you. Come
0: on, mate. Show them what you got. No, no Ain't
1: no fun. you Adrian! <laughs> <laughs> and if that hasn't put you off, give us a try. There's a small chance you won't regret it. So, Dave,
0: I would like you to go first this week, if that's okay. Yeah. I'm interested yep. to see what you think. Of course. Well, I have to say... Uh, like I say, in my kind of adult life, this is one of the few films that I've watched over and over again, and it all comes back to that moment when I watched it for the first time. It was late at night, I was watching it on my own, I was kind of falling asleep at that point when the movie turns on its head, and so it absolutely blew my mind. Now, this is not a perfect movie. But I, and and so because of that, I don't know how objective I can actually be about it. I can see that it's not perfect. I do really like the first half of the movie. It's it's just got Tarantino's fingerprints all over it. And again, he's he's denied he didn't he he didn't sort of take the director's position there. It was Rodriguez doing it, but he was absolutely in Rodriguez's ear. I'm sure. The second half, again, I just absolutely love it for different reasons. Watching it now, I'm thinking, yeah, there's a, as well as a genre shift, there's a complete tonal shift, and it does have this comedic element as well. And I think if you were to, to remake it now, they could maybe think about, you know what, let's just keep it really dark, keep it quite disturbing. And then I, I wonder if that would make it feel you know, again, a bit more grittier and polish it up and maybe make it a bit of a better movie. So I think if I was to be objective, I would probably send this to Pleasantville. But for me, I'm going to send it right to the top. I'm going to send it to Cloud City. I just had so much fun watching this again. Uh, Even though I knew exactly all the bits, all the lines of dialogue that were coming up, just absolutely loved it, Chris.
1: Wow. That shocked me, that Dave. Really, has shocked me. Um... Yeah, it has. <laughs> so I genuinely didn't think you would have sent it there. Amazing, amazing. Now for me, Dave, it's quite funny because like I say, I've never wanted to go back and watch it because I'd watched it so many times, from probably in about a five-year period, that it was one of them go-to movies again. Like I always say at like Lethal Weapons, I always put it on. And I just, I've never wanted to watch it again because I've seen it that often. Even when it's been on TV, I've, I've you know, flicked over the channels and that, not even to catch any of it. Um, and I, th- I don't think now, watching it again, I enjoyed it as much as I remember. Now, I, I still think it's a great film. I agree. I think, I don't know if it's as I'm getting older and you, you want different things in movies, but I, I really just remember the first part of the movie being quite boring and and sort of, you know, all right, setting them up, but just like, because I wasn't really into Tarantino's character, thinking, just get to the best. Once I'd seen it once and realised what was called, get to the best bits. And obviously the Salma hate bit, it'll, it'll be a Cloud City <laughs> all day long, without a doubt. But however, Clooney is amazing in this and I can totally understand where he came from. And, and this was like the foundation of everything that came afterwards for Clooney. Absolutely class, sex symbol, top guy, cool as anything. I think he absolutely cast perfectly. I've never been a massive fan of the Harvey Keitel dimension with Jacob and Juliet Lewis and that and Scott Fulham. I just never, ever did anything for me. However, I do think now watching it, the first bit, as you just said, is the best bit of the movie. The end bit is just ridiculous. It goes from... Everything working and building up into this thing, when you get that switch, it's great and it's funny and it's stupid, as we've mentioned. I just don't know whether 24 years later, it's aged as well as I remember, and it it wasn't a hard watch because I, I watched it, I didn't stop it once, I was like, oh yeah, I know what's coming next. It's great, but I just don't think I can send it anywhere other than in the middle, I think, Dave, because... I think it's going to go to Hill Valley, and and not that I would never watch it again, but I have no reason to at the moment. If that makes sense, maybe in mm-hmm. ten years' time I'll go back to it. I just think it's a great movie and it sets up different things that happen after it, like you know, for Tarantino and especially George Clooney. But I'm just, I don't know. There was just something missing this time. I'm not sure what it is, and it sort of justified and validated the fact that I've not watched it for a good fifteen and odd years, probably. So, uh, yeah, sad. I thought I was going to send it to the top, Dave, but, you know, I just can't, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it as well possibly has to do, like I've got the soundtrack to this, I, I listen to it quite regularly, so, again, all of the music, I think, as with a lot of Tarantino movies, it, it's just perfect for it. And so because I'm always going back to this album and listening to it, I... It, it's never that far away from me and so again I, I can see it's faults, but I kind of I can be that apologist for them but like I say I, I think it is I am being a bit subjective to that
1: no it's great that's what it's all about isn't it Dave when we do this so if you want to get in contact with us, guys, on Twitter at VHS Strikes Back. If you want to email us, the VHSstrikesback at gmail.com. And if you do get a chance, guys, please get onto your podcast catching app and just drop Dave and myself a review on the show. It just gets us up them charts and it gets us out there to more people. And if there is anything, as I've just mentioned, on them uh, social media channels you want us to review, then please contact us and we'll put it on the list. So, Dave, fantastic review again a uh, great movie that you've picked. And next week is the end of your trilogy, and then I have something up my sleeve. So um, I can't wait, my friend.
0: Absolutely, Chris. And so what are we going to review for our last one? Big Trouble in Little China, Dave. Yeah. Now, I must admit, I haven't seen this one in a long time. And I seem to remember, even in the 80s, <laughs> thinking some of the effects in this one weren't the best. And so, yep. uh, going to be quite interested to see this. But again, when it came out, I just loved this and I lapped it up. So yeah, this one's going to close off the trilogy, and really excited to talk about it. Good stuff. All right. So we'll see you all next week, guys. Bye now.
1: That's it,
0: man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly.
1: I'll be back. Mm. That's not
0: We came, we saw, we kicked it's ass.
1: Wax on. Wax ah! off.
0: Oh! One ring to death. All
1: right. Ding, ding. I'll bust you up. Go for it. Well, here we go. Uh, so bad. Uh, so bad. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid Yeah, fool. maybe you I ain't breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's a fool. He's a stupid. i see
0: free. you in six oh, months. Huh. Oh. I must break you.